Welcome to the Coworkers Podcast with Jesse and Shaney, where every believer is a coworker in God's mission. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are excited on this episode to be joined by some good friends, some old friends from the field, uh, to talk about a very common issue that a lot of our people face on the field, and that is dealing with sickness, both for ourselves and also for our kids. And so we're really excited to hear from Joe and Christy Allen. Uh, they were on the field in South Asia for 14 years, colleagues of ours, co-workers of ours, and now have been back in the States for a bit. And they are both actually now professors at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And we're going to hear a little bit more about that and some of their background. But they have a story about dealing with a lot of sickness as a family, a lot for, for Christy and then for their son, Joe, as well. So we'd love to just hear from you all about how the Lord walked you through that. Um, just as, even as we were talking about right up to the lead up to this call, I think a lot of people will be seen and heard through this. This was actually a suggestion. The topic for this podcast was a suggestion by one of our coworkers who's been dealing with sickness, and we know that there are so many more who do. So welcome, y'all. We're really glad to have you all. Looking forward to hearing from you. Jesse and Shaney, what a privilege to be with you. Y'all are some of our favorite people, and we just thank the world to you. This is a great honor. Yeah, we're really thrilled to be able to be a part of this today. We appreciate your willingness and your example mm-hmm. for all of our coworkers of praising God through the midst of, man, wave after wave of sickness. Uh, for you, Christy, just all of the ongoing issues that you've had to deal with for years with food allergies and GI issues, endometriosis, thyroid issues mono and chronic fatigue, anemia, joint pain, so many things. And then recent, more recently with your son, man, having to see Joe go through what he went through and then you all needing to leave the field for some time to help him. So tell us a bit about your story and just how God has guided you in those different seasons. Yeah. Thinking back on some of this, just even in preparation for our time together, just it's a little overwhelming to think about all that that um, God allowed us to walk through on the on the mission field, but um, but I also, like you said, see so many threads of God's faithfulness, and I really have come to to see it as an asset in my life. Um, what God worked through the suffering, um, and so it's really uh, it is kind of cool to think back on on the journey as hard as it was. Tell us a bit about um, in those longer seasons of sickness, all the things that you all dealt with. And obviously that affects your family in a huge way, Christy, when you're dealing with those things. How do you think rightly about like time management, expectations for what you're going to get done each day? Uh, I think it could be hard for people to rest in our line of work, right? Even when they need it. And so how did you handle the discouragement that comes from feeling like, man, I can't get anything done. I'm just dealing with this sickness. It's got me laid up again. Or, or even dealing with the, man, I wouldn't be sick if I were in my home country. One of the realizations that I had probably after my first term was this thought that God sent me to South Asia so that people could know Jesus. But what hit me was that he also sent me to South Asia so that I could know Jesus better. Um, because the context which he called us was the context that I needed to become more like Jesus. And the challenge that he allowed me to walk through 
were um, part of that journey. And so um, experiencing chronic sickness and illness and various uh, other challenges uh, were, were part of part of his process of sanctification in my life. And one of the ways that, that I needed pruning was in, in putting too much of my identity in my work. I think before I went on the mission field, I put a lot of my worth in ministry, honestly, and, and what I did for God. And so experiencing these times of debilitating illness, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't accomplish much. I remember trying to homeschool out of bed and it was extremely discouraging, but I just remember the Lord reminded me that my worth comes in not what I do for God, but by being his daughter. And that was what I needed deep in my soul to, to, to learn is that my worth comes from being his daughter. And so everything else flows out of that. And there are times when God, you know, Psalm 23 says he leads me, he makes me lie down, right? Sometimes he makes us lie down and it's for our good. It's for um, his glory. And so I think in those seasons where you feel like he's making you lie down, rest, rest, um, receive that encouragement from the Lord that, that even from a physical standpoint, rest is the time is the time when your body heals and repairs and restore itself. So if you're not getting enough rest physically, your body is not going through those cycles of repair. And the same is true spiritually as well. I, I you know, we need those times where we're really uh, still before the Lord and quiet and allowing him to, to do that deep work in our soul. So I really, I learned even more acutely how limited I am. I am limited, but I just don't real think I realized how limited I actually am. And so in that season learning I'm limited, but I'm loved. And that even now, I think, I think I have a healthier perspective of, about the fact that I have limitations and I need to have rhythms of rest in my life. That is just so, so critical. So I'd say rhythms of rest is really important and being able to, to realize that God is working while I'm resting. Like he is not uh, unaware of my situation and my limitations. And so, you know, all we really have to offer him is this, you know, little scrawny offering that we have to give anyway, like the, the, the bread and the fish that the little boy offered, but he can take even what we offer that little bit and he can multiply it. And I saw God do that even in those times where I felt like I, I had so little to offer. Um, God just calls us to give what we have, to give all we have. And, and he really can take that and multiply, um, multiply our offering. So I feel like rhythms of rest is really important. Another thing that has been so critical in, in just uh, me experiencing healing physically and spiritually is learning to lament. That has been such a, an important piece for me because I think when you go through difficult seasons, you have all these questions like why and how long? In fact, in the, in the Psalms, the most asked question is how long, you know? So, so to ask these questions, Lord, well, what if I had stayed in, you know, in the States, would I have dealt with this? And so we have all of these questions and, and honestly, suffering is like a fork in the road. I, I don't think we can be the same after we walk through it. We kind of, we have a choice and, and, and God's provision for us in seasons of suffering is the opportunity to express our pain 
to him, express our questions to him, express our, our, our anger, even our frustration at him. He's, he's big, big enough to handle those things. And so I think sometimes in these seasons of suffering, we just stuff it all. We just, we think, I think as missionaries, we are a tough bunch. We are, we have tenacity and that's a good thing. But one of the things the Lord has really been showing me is that I think actually one of the enemy's strategies is to encourage us to be strong. And that may seem like a strange thing to, to say, but but actually um, when we act like it's up to us to keep going and to keep pressing on, it's it's kind of saying that I'm my own savior. And interestingly, when you look in the scriptures, God invites us be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Um, God wants us to be strong in him. And so I think actually going through sickness has helped me to learn to acknowledge weakness before the Lord um, and be more vulnerable with him. And in the process, he shines light on my situation. He shines shines light on who he is, on on other people, on my circumstances, and he gives me hope to keep going. So I think learning to regularly unburden with him and not pretend uh, with him. You know, we often with our friends, when they ask us how we're doing, we'll, we'll say, oh, I'm fine when we really aren't fine. But God wants us not to fake fine with him. He wants us to to be honest. And, and I've just realized that healing never happens in the dark. It only happens in the light. And so that's why, you know, he made us communicative people, just like he is. He loves to communicate with us, to express and to be known, to know and to be known. And so as uh, image bearers, we also have that desire. Uh, even though he knows our situations, he invites us to express our burdens and our grief um, to him. And I've really experienced a lot of a lot of emotional and spiritual healing as I've grown in that in that uh, rhythm. Joe, in the midst of Christy having to be in bed in seasons, that affects the whole family. I'm picturing Christy in bed trying to homeschool. And how did you figure out how to help, how to keep the work going? What was that like for you? Oh, Shaney, I'm... <laughs> I kind of wish you hadn't asked that because if I'm going to answer honestly, this is one of the most shameful failings in my life as a husband. I did not care for Christy well during this time. I was so laser focused on the lost people in my area and the church planning and the training and the things that we were doing that I was insensitive and uh, did not care for her well during that season. It was really hard on Christy, and I didn't make it any easier. And so that was um, a tough time during our marriage that um, we've had to work through. And I think there has been healing since then uh, between us. But um, I think I don't I don't know um, if Christy would say this herself or not, but um, I think a lot of people that get sick, especially when there is a big, grand, important mission in front of them, they don't want to be the weakest link. And Christy did not want to be the weakest link. She didn't want to be the reason that I was deterred from my calling or the reason that we had to leave the field. And that was a burden that she felt. And, um, you know. Shaney, that was um, 
I look back on that time wishing I had done things differently, honestly. Um, yeah. I think it was compounded by the fact that we didn't have team members during that um, during that time. And so I was really isolated. And so what I, one of the things I've realized is that when you suffer physically, it doesn't just affect you physically. It also sp- affects you spiritually and emotionally because, you know, God made us physical and spiritual beings. And so what happens to us physically affects us spiritually and what happened to us spir- spiritually affects us physically. And so I think that I needed deep comfort. And I think that's why I, I remember a couple of years ago reading the Beatitudes and it says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And that's why as I've grown with the Lord, I've learned um, to more frequently bring my tears to him because I've, I've experienced that comfort for him. But, you know, God used all of that, but it was hard in part because I think when you suffer, nobody wants to suffer alone. I think that's one of the things that's so sweet about Jesus is that he not only provided for our help, but he he provided so that we don't feel alone in our suffering. Well, well, thank you all so much for walking in the light, even in a public forum, Joe, for just being willing to share that. I think, as we often do, when we walk in the light, I think it's an ultimately an encouragement to other people um, to see that, yes, we can fail and the Lord's gracious and that he provides for what we need ultimately. Just to echo what you said, Christy, I think the walking in the light, being willing to bring everything that we have to the Lord, but recognizing the great need that we have as people to have fellowship around us and to have community, and also the tendency as sent ones, as workers, to stuff it and to just kind of grit our teeth and try to get through it because we feel like that's a part of our calling. We feel like, and then that, and it also, I think, can harbor some of those feelings to people that we feel like are struggling sometimes. Sometimes it comes out, sometimes it's a little, you know, we keep it behind the curtain. But like, hey, why can't you get over this? We're sent here to do this. Don't be the weaker link. And other people can feel that as well. So just for all of us to walk in the light as a community, I think that's a really big thing. Thank you all for sharing that. And I think it pinpoints an an extra layer of difficulty on this issue of one family member is sick. So the others at least need to stay focused on the task. If we have a sick kid, I can stay home but at least Jesse can stay focused on the task. And there certainly wouldn't be freedom for both of us to be home, right? Like there can be that extra pressure. And so I think to encourage our coworkers that there may be times when the spouse needs to provide support and it's okay. It's okay. The mission will be okay. God will take care of that if you feel like you need to be there. And he'll also help the spouse out in bed who feels neglected and who feels like I've been home with sick kids all week and I wish I could get out of the house or however that lands in that family and how they work it out. Um, The Lord is our ultimate savior, not our own strength or our spouse. Mm -hmm. We've been talking a lot about Christy with your sickness. Um, We also know there's nothing worse for parents than seeing our kids suffer and feeling like we can't help them. So what encouragement, tips, wisdom do you all have for parents who are dealing with ongoing sickness with their kids? How do you decide when to travel to another country for medical treatment or even maybe to return home uh, to the States for a longer time for treatment? That's a great question. Um, Man, it is one thing to suffer yourself is a whole nother thing to see your child suffer. You know, it is, is really, really difficult. I think one of the 
the the encouraging things for me is is James one five. It says encourages us to pray for wisdom and discernment. I think that in different seasons and situations in our lives, God led us to stay or go. He led us to go to another country or led us to stay in the country where we were at. And so I don't think there's easy answers when it comes to these things, but I do think that we can cry out to him for wisdom and ask him uh, to to help us, to, to guide us. You know, it's just really sweet to look back at different ways that he he provided for us through doctors in a whole host of different countries. Uh, sometimes it was people that you didn't expect or situations that you didn't expect uh, how he was going to provide, but he provided. I remember after my son's first concussion, we were at a, a homeschool conference. I had signed him up the next day to meet with a, a physical therapist uh, lady, and she came and pulled me out of the, the meetings and she said, has your son just had a concussion? Because he has all the signs and symptoms. And I didn't even realize he'd gone to bed screaming from this head pain, but I had no idea that he had just had a concussion. And get this, this lady who'd come from America, she had been working with a person who specializes in post-concussion recovery. So she not only knew all of these things to suggest to me, but she took me with Joe to get an MRI and just was that support and continued to encourage me. And so God just provided in a lot of different random ways. I, I ended up after Joe was born, some of the placenta was left in my uterus. And so we got back to our country, home country and realized I was on the verge of hemorrhaging. And in God's providence, I ended up going to this um, missionary hospital in the sticks of the country we were living and they ended up having the specialized equipment needed to do this surgery and really saved my life. And so God just used and provided, um, he used different doctors, different people and provided in so many different ways. It's, I just encourage you to, to really cry out to the Lord for wisdom in each situation, each circumstance. Another thing I would say is fight for your kids because that image is God. I remember my son telling me later um, a- after we'd gotten some, some answers to his health issues, thank you, mom, for not stopping to fight for me. And I think it just reminded me of, of how God fights for his kids. And so fight for your kids, go to bat, learn all you have to, to learn, read the medical journals, study things that you've never studied before, because you want to advocate for your child and, um, it will communicate to them God's love. I would say another thing that I learned in the midst of of seeing my son suffer was teach your children to suffer well. Teach your children to suffer well. I remember when Joe was about four and he had been having all these parasite issues and and he ended up uh, developing some allergies. And at the time, one of those allergies was popcorn. So we we were... uh, had our first team, finally had teammates come to the field and we were having our first team meetings and so excited about that. And and this journey girl was watching our kids. And after the meeting, I said, how did the kids do? And she said, oh, well, you know, we, we watched a movie and the kids uh, ate popcorn except Joe because, you know, he said it would hurt his stomach. And I remember going into the stairwell in the mission home that we were staying in and having a pity party with the Lord. And I just was like, Lord, this isn't fair. Why is my kid, he can't even have popcorn with his, with his, his friends and his, and his sister while they're watching a movie. 
And I felt like the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, Christy, you have no idea how he's going to need this in life. He's learning to say no to foods that would hurt him. But he he's going to need this self-control that, you, that I'm going to develop in him for something greater down the road. And so God just changed my perspective. My natural inclination was to, to coddle him or baby him because he was suffering and I wanted to take care of him. But the Lord was like, no, teach him to suffer well. Teach him that God is not going to waste his pain. Teach him how to cry out to God in his pain. Pray for him. Help him to pray. Um, and so I think to be able to even challenge him, I remember asking the Lord, how do I help him see this even t- practically? And the Lord gave me this picture. Joe is a naturally tough kid, which I think he he needs for, for, the, for the things that God's called him to walk through. But I, I just thought I had this image that when we walk through suffering, we can either become hard-hearted and thin-skinned. In other words, we get a hard heart, we become bitter, angry, uh, and then everything bothers us because our skin is thin. Or when we walk through through pain well, we can develop a tender heart and a thick skin. So we are able to to empathize with others, but we also have more tenacity and more capacity to walk through hard things. And so my prayer, I began to encourage him and pray for him. Joe, I pray that you'll have uh, both a tender heart and um, a thick skin. Those are some of the ways that that um, that God has taught me about loving my kids well through through suffering. I think teaching our kids to suffer well is really important and something we can do in very small ways and all of their little sufferings, right? Like yeah. those are the opportunities to build those habits, to empathize with them. They need that. They need to be able to cry and, and will listen, but yes. to eventually at the right time, remind them, like you said, God doesn't ever waste our pain. He always has a purpose. And yeah. to just let that be a truth that goes deep in their heads, even if they roll their eyes, because we always remind them that they're getting that from a young age. Absolutely. And I think another thing is that, you know, as parents, we do want our kids to be happy, don't we? We want our kids to be happy. And so sometimes we think that means they they don't suffer. But actually, sometimes that's part of God's plan for them. And so really um, teaching them to suffer well does end up producing joy in their life um, as they as they turn their heart towards God and look to him in their pain. And so I, I agree. I think it's really important to teach them to to suffer well and to, to know that God cares about them, that he sees them. And, and, and that's important as well. It's interesting that we can easily look back on our lives and know in the difficult times, that's usually when God grows us the most. However, we feel so protective of our kids and so fearful, and we just hate to see them suffer. And I, that is part of God's image. Like you said, Mama Bear comes out. We're ready to fight for our kids. And that, I think, is God's strong love that he put inside us. But to be able to entrust them to the Lord and know they're going to have seasons of difficulty and even be able to thank him that they get to have it in our home with us and they get to learn how to deal with anxiety with us right beside them or food allergies and missing out on things that their kids are doing or 
all of those things that they get to walk through that with us beside them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a big thing. I think to learn at that that stage of life, and like Shani said, to learn it in the context of our family and to be able to walk through that with them, to give them a place for them to walk in the light, right? To bring these things into the light, to say them out loud to us and teach them to do that with the Lord as well from a young age. It's not un uncommon for women to have seasons on the field of dealing with low energy or digestive issues, maybe thyroid, maybe depression, maybe changing hormones, <laughs> changing seasons that come in our life as women, and I think dietary restrictions. And so really struggling with being in a culture where hospitality and eating the food that is given to you is such a big part of life. That can get tiring, I can say from personal experience, just juggling that. So mm -hmm. how could you encourage our coworkers in some of those areas? Absolutely. I can definitely resonate with all of that deeply. Well, I just think, I think crying out to God for wisdom is so important. Um, having your eyes open to ways that he might want to provide for healing in this in, in the season of struggle. Um, I, I would say be a student, learn all you can. I was never interested in science growing up, but then it became personal overseas and I began studying and reading um, and learning. And, you know, I call myself a quack doctor, um, but I, I just had to, I think that's one of the things you, you learn overseas, right? Is you learn how to, to advocate for yourself and your family. And, you know, it's interesting, take advantage of, of natural resources around you, remedies that might be even available there. Um, I mean, something simple like coconut is a natural antibacterial, antifungal, antiparasitic, you know, and a lot of times God does design certain foods in cultures that actually help with the, the, the specific issues in that environment. So it's, it's kind of interesting how how um, there are some things available, even herbal remedies um, are available that can be really helpful. I would say, you know, just keep searching, knocking, praying, looking for ways. Um, I remember during a, a real season of sickness, God provided a nutritionist in America that worked with me and just gave up her time to help me as I was learning to eat differently. And so I just feel like God can provide in a variety of ways. And so I think I encourage you to be your own advocate. Nobody else knows how you're feeling. Um, if, and it's so discouraging. I can say from experience, going from one doctor to, to the next, and then they say to you, oh, it looks like everything's fine. And you're like, everything is not fine. And so um, keep, keep see seeking help. And, uh, you know, I, I did have found the most help from doctors who have a, a more holistic perspective that seems to have helped me personally. One of the things, too, that I would say um, when, when I think about caring well for, for nationals or considering how they might feel, uh, considering the fact that I have a, an allergy. Um, and honestly, if you talk to anybody who has a food allergy, probably the biggest challenge is how it relates to relationships, how it impacts relationships. And I think I hate to be a burden uh, on somebody else and add to their burden of having to make some specific food for me or cater to my uh, specific dietary issues. But I think one of the things that I have learned is you have to have a long-term perspective, even with things like the rhythms of rest. If you're going to have a long-term perspective, you have to take their seasons of rest, right? 
There's seasons of lack of productivity at times. But in the same way, I think another thing you can think about um, a, that helps with longevity is to learn to have helpful boundaries. Sometimes in the cultures that where we served, there weren't a lot of boundaries and a lot of people did not say no. And so I think it's especially difficult to say, I'm sorry, I can't eat that thing. I know you just spent hours making it for me, but I'm sorry, I can't eat it. And so then you eat it and then you're sick for days or weeks. And that is not sustainable. And I think it's actually helpful for our national um, nationals to see us say no, to see us have boundaries, to see us even express our limitations. Um, I think that's actually really a helpful model for them. That is really a great perspective and to be realistic and to be honest and to be willing to admit our limitations. It's good for us to be forced to <laughs> acknowledge our limitations. I hate doing that. I hate I, it. I know. And because yeah. it's because we're so afraid we don't want to be the high maintenance person. And right. I think we're afraid that people think we're being dramatic. That's my fear. Another fear yeah. is that I think we we want to be a, a testimony for Christ. And so going back to the, the the desire to be strong is we want to be the best representative of Christ we can possibly be. And it seems, um, it doesn't seem that being weak to nationals is going to represent Christ well. But I've really come to believe that while God does give me certain gifts for a reason, and he does want me to use those gifts, I actually think he gets the most glory in our lives when we let him shine through our weakness and we let him shine through our cracks. And I think that's even true as we relate and engage with nationals, that we let them see our brokenness. We let them see our pain. We let them see our struggle because God wants us to bless them, but sometimes he wants to use them to bless us in our brokenness. And so when we open up ourselves to, the, to them, even in even ways that feel shameful at times, I, I think that's a way of, of bonding and connecting in deep ways with others. So I've just... God has given me more and more courage to to really lead with vulnerability. And I would encourage those who are dealing specifically with dietary related issues to put the time in, like you said, to figure out what bothers them yes. and figure out the strategies to deal with it. And that can take longer than we want it to. It really can take a long time. It feels like it should be simple. It feels like it should be maybe a one month diet where you limit things and you add them back in and you just figure it all out. But I know from my experience that has taken longer than I expected. I have Crohn's disease, which I don't even like admitting because of my pride issues and not wanting to be high maintenance. But praise the Lord. He's helped me so much. But I would say get help and find that nutritionist who will truly help you. Some doctors will only give you medicine. That's just the reality. And they don't even mention all the foods that might be bothering you. Diet is a huge component. Find people who can help you and do your own work. Keep a log. Write down what you eat and the symptoms that follow. I think it just sounds too simple. Yeah. But it really, for me, has been one of the most helpful things because you start to see the patterns and then yeah. you start to realize, okay, I could eat this food right now at my dear friend's house, but 
I know what's going to happen tomorrow morning. So <laughs> maybe exactly. I should be honest with my friend and tell her and trust that she's going to love me <laughs> and it's going to be okay. When I changed my diet, it was initially very uh, frustrating because because cooking was a creative outlet for me uh, for many years. And so all of a sudden, everything changed and food became boring. It became uninteresting. But then I began to realize that limitations provide opportunities for creativity. Limitations provide opportunities for creativity. And so then I started, God gave me this renewed joy of like, okay, this is a new way to cook, but we can have fun with it. We can actually eat food that tastes good. You know, it was fun to, to even get back in the kitchen and, and, and just learn new things. And so I think God taught me a lot through, through even having to, to change all of my recipes and, and figure out a new strategy. So I totally agree with you, Shani. That was very, very helpful for, for me and both my kids. Uh, we all have gluten allergy. And so, but we, being able to do a log was really, really helpful. And it's something practical that you can do uh, by yourself, you know, on the field. And I know, Joe, you know well about sometimes you just got to take one for the team when you're out with your wife and there's some dietary restrictions, right? I drank a lot of double cups of chai in our first term when Shani couldn't really handle that stuff. And then I also often have to, and I'm sure that you did this as well, have to speak up for her because I know I can see that tendency when maybe a, a a meal's coming out or the invite comes and she doesn't want to bring it up. She doesn't want to tell the story again. Oh, I have Crohn's. And we just have to say, hey, you know what? She can't eat this. We have to be the one who actually says that for her uh, because it doesn't bother me to share that with other people. And because I know, again, what's going to come, the consequences of her not just being able to say that in that moment. And so we have to be the ones who just come out and say sometimes, hey, you know what? She can't. She can't do it and make it okay for her. Yeah, he forces me sometimes. Quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Plus, we want to be here long term. That's why. So we mm -hmm. we take those steps even when it's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Good. Talk about um, what are the best ways maybe that you all have had team members, friends. Um, how can we support people, families and signal, singles who are dealing with sickness? I think one of the tendencies is to tiptoe around those issues and mm. we are afraid to to ask and dig in because we might feel like we're encroaching or we're going to embarrass them. But generally speaking, people find a lot of healing in just having a safe place to process their pain. And so my encouragement would be ask. Go ahead and, you know, ask those those tough questions. It's going to be probably more uncomfortable for you doing the asking. And the, the person who's been suffering will be so delighted that someone cares enough to ask. That's exactly right. I mean, I remember feeling like I didn't want to be a broken record. I didn't want to bring it back up, but I was struggling and I was suffering, not just physically, but it affects us emotionally. And so it helps to process that out again, bring it in to the, a safe community is bring it into the light. And so for somebody to care enough to say, how are you really doing? It is so helpful and so, administers so deeply uh, to be able to have a safe place to talk about it. I also think practically um, to be able to, to, 
show love by making foods they could eat. I mean, it makes uh, me feel so special when somebody goes to that effort of making something that I can eat. It's really a labor of love, but it really means a lot. And that's such a good, just simple and good to just ask and to bring it out into the light with folks that we know and that we love and to make it acceptable for them to talk about. We've talked a lot over the years with people that have come out and joined our teams. We just acknowledge from the beginning that we're sometimes not great at asking those things. We're sometimes not great at pursuing those things with people. And so we really try to coach folks from the beginning. Hey, you need to tell us your struggles. Tell us what's going on with you. Don't be the one who feels like you have to be the low maintenance. Like that is the, we, you've mentioned it several times over the course of this conversation, the tendency in our own lives and a part of our calling, I think, that we want to be low maintenance. We don't want to be the people that are coming back and sounding like the broken record and to just try to, as much as we can, deny that tendency, turn it to the side, don't be low maintenance, whatever you have that's in there. And I think also for us as a support, as team members, as family on the field, is to not do everything that we can to not belittle or feel like we're that it is becoming kind of old to us or we're getting tired of hearing about those things over and over again. We can betray a lot, I think, with our responses, with a lot of nonverbal communication when people come to us with something and how important it is to just give people that, like you said, safe space that they can walk in the light with us and talk about what's really going on with them. It can be hard to sympathize well with people who are going through a period of suffering. We were joking beforehand about, you know, all the list filled half a page of all of Christie's ailments on the field. And Joe, you said that you were sick like three times in 14 years, <laughs> right? And it yeah. can just, man, it could just be tough. You know, when you're not in that, you, when you're not in a time of sickness, when you're not dealing with those things, it could be difficult to sympathize well, but that is the love that the Lord's called us to, right? That's the fellowship that we have when we do walk in the light. It says we have fellowship with one another in First John 1. So just a, an encouragement to us, I think, to be family to people well by really walking with them well and listening over and over again and not getting tired of that. Exactly. Good. Well, guys, this has been incredibly encouraging just to hear from your story and to hear honestly uh, about struggles, about failures in the midst of it, but through it all to recognize that his grace is sufficient. Uh, just want to reiterate the weakness. I think we, in any kind of ministry that we're in, and I think there is a kind of special, unique tendency we have as sent out ones that, man, we want to be tough and we want to be strong. We want to have grit. That's a part of our calling. But to recognize that, man, the Lord does so much in our weakness. And that can be a ploy of the devil to push us towards strength and to feel like we need to we need to continue projecting that on the field. And I think there is an aspect of we cannot control how other people are thinking about us mm. and our situation. And at some point we have to let go of that. If I'm sick at home and someone's judging me and thinks I should be out doing more, that's very possible. People could be, people could think, what is she doing all day? She hasn't been out. She didn't go to the outreach. She didn't go to this just because her child has a cold, you know, people can have all kinds of thoughts. We're not responsible for that. Mm. We answer to the Lord and right. I can never fully understand what's going on in your home and your kids needs. I only know a little sliver of that. So we have to be very careful about how we are judging others and how we, how worried we can get about how they're perceiving mm our situation and our response. 
man, our goal is to have teams where we have genuine love for each other and we can share those honestly and we can trust each other. Um, but we're all growing in that. There's been times I've judged my teammates and I'm sure they can pick up on that. And that's just an area that the Lord has helped me to be more aware of my tendencies and try to grow. And Yeah, that's such a big part of this whole conversation, I think, is that we carry shame when we're not, because of sickness, we're not able to go out and do things. I know that you all dealt with that a lot over the years in the midst of that. Um, and just to be able to free our people by affirming them well, asking those questions and supporting them. And ultimately, like Shani said, there's times we just have to not care, right? We have to ultimately, yeah. we yeah. we care about what the Lord thinks about us. We're his servants and stewards, not other people's. And I think many times we're actually making up their judgments and they're not judging us yeah. because there have been times when I've brought it up once when I was just assuming that the singles on our team thought I should be doing more. And I just told them about it and they were just like, no, we don't think that at all. I was just making it all up in my head, you know. And Shaney, to build on that, I think the same the same fear of being judged sometimes it's not a it's not imaginary some people in the states are judging you for staying through hard times hmm. you know maybe grandparents or parents hey you're my grandchild's sick you need to get that kid home as quick as wow. you can get it to some good doctors and um and they don't understand hey this is where we think the lord has us right now and and sometimes you just got to like you said Jesse you just got to shrug your shoulders and say Hey, I'm doing the best I can to follow the Lord's leading, and uh, I'm I'm not a prophet, but uh, this is, you know, using all the wisdom and counsel at my disposal in, on my knees before God. This mm -hmm. is what I think we're supposed to be, and we're going to tough it out right now. And at the same time, um, it was very important for us in our story to have wise counselors intervene because. We were so laser focused and we were going to tough it out no matter what. It got yeah. to the point where it was actually dangerous for our son not to have the medical care that he needed. And um, and so praise God for um, the, the company uh, personnel stepping in and saying, you need to go to a place with better care for his long term benefit. And uh, and so we submitted to that. And um, it's not a cut and dried one size fits all solution. It is a dynamic relationship that we have with the Lord and with godly brothers and sisters. It's it's tough, but um, the Lord is good and his promises are true uh, to the ultimate degree. I, I think one of the things that I wanted to share was, I think it's important to take a holistic perspective about healing. What I mean by that is because we're body and spirit, that when we get sick, it affects us spiritually and emotionally. And sometimes we're so focused on getting the physical help, we realize, we forget that we need um, emotional and mental um, help as well. And so to be able to, to, um, to do things that will breathe life back into us, um, for example, one of the things I heard is beauty heals. Um, and so really trying to do things that will help deal with the stress of it. I remember a dear friend, um, she loved 
uh, beauty and green things, but there was no green, there were no green things in the city she lived. And she put lots of plants on her uh, veranda so that when she looked out the window, she could see some beauty. I think there's a lot of different things that you can do to deal with the stress even of trying to recover. Um, I, I mean, I remember in the darkest time when I was so sick, I could hardly even read my Bible, but I would listen to my Bible. And I'll tell you, music is such an important thing in the midst of, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of physical suffering. I, I, it has been so helpful for me. I, I think there's a significance in the fact that the Psalms were sung. And so many of the Psalms were lament Psalms, more than a third of them were lament. And so I think that was very intentional, um, that God gives us music in part to praise him, but also in part to express things that are too deep for words. So I think music is a very helpful thing in the midst of these struggles. Um, eat, we talked about eating good food, uh, even things like Epsom salt baths or magnesium is a wonderful way to help uh, lower our stress, finding ways to laugh, connecting with people who love you, getting hugs, physical exercise if you feel well enough is helpful, talking to a counselor, being in nature, sleep, uh, finding creative outlets because Creative outlets also help us express stress and pain. And so to be able to do something with our hands, something that can express creativity is a very, very helpful way to deal with the, the emotional impact that comes from, from dealing with, uh, you know, physical suffering. And I, I think lastly, I would just say that uh, in the midst of probably my darkest year on the field, I remember praying and asking God, please don't waste this pain. Please don't waste this pain. Please don't waste this pain. And as I think about, about Muslims, uh, they don't have a solution. They don't have a purpose for suffering. There's not a purpose for suffering. Neither do Hindus. Uh, atheists don't either. In fact, Darwin said that tears are purposeless. Mm -hmm. But as believers, I can say confidently that God never wastes pain that's offered to him. And I've seen that pain has become part of my purpose. And I, I've really seen how God's used it. And in so many ways, uh, I remember thinking back as a teenager, praying that God would give me the gift of compassion because I don't naturally have the gift of compassion. But as a result of walking through these things, he has uh, given that to me through the fire. And he's also helped me to help, help me understand how to help women heal spiritually and emotionally because I see, I have this experience physically, but it's given me all these parallels to understand on a spiritual realm how to help people and come alongside of them and help them experience freedom and healing in Christ. And so I just see so many ways that God has used it. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're in the middle of a place of suffering and you have so discouraged and you don't know how God is going to use it, I just want to encourage you, he's not going to waste it. He doesn't allow his kids to go through suffering if there isn't something greater at stake. So something is greater at stake if you're suffering and God will not waste it. So I just want to encourage you with that today. Thank you so much, you guys. And God has used you and you're someone that people come to when they want help and advice. Thank you for sharing your story and infusing it with biblical truth and promises. Hey, we love you guys. 